Well, good morning, everybody. How are you today? My name is Larry Jacobs. That's a rhetorical question because you can't answer me, so I'm just asking you to be nice. Okay, I'm Larry Jacobs, and I'm doing fine. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. Okay, thanks for being with us today. And again, it's uh, April 12, 2023. We have a uh, interesting show for you today. We're going to talk about the uh, about equity and the impact of speech language pathology and i want to make sure i say that properly and correctly speech language pathology okay has to do with equity (laughs) that's why i need it all right has to do with equity we're going to talk to uh, two people who are wonderful and experts on this diana paraffinic who is the uh, founder and chief innovation officer of e-therapy all right and also the um Director of Mental Health Operations at eTherapy, Megan McGee. And they're going to be on with me in just a few seconds. And uh, it's at electronictherapy.com if you want to check it out. But we'll be talking a lot about that over the course of the uh, show today. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, Speech therapy is so important. I consider the uh, impact of all electronic therapy these days, okay, to be as important as the impact of tutoring, right? It, to me, it is incredibly important these days. We are trying to help kids. We are short of professionals on site, but we need to help kids. And professionals are available electronically to schools, all right? Uh, you, you all know the story just like tutors are, okay? We got to help teachers and kids as much as we can. To me, this is extremely important. So it's going to be a good show today. I am looking forward to it. We're going to archive at ACE dash ed.org that is the home website of our american consortium for equity in education ace dash ed.org our journal over there which we are quite proud has an excellent excellent issue just came out it's our online journal equity and access you'll see the cover there just click through to read the magazine everything we do over at ace dash ed.org is free Okay, so please go check it out. Okay, it's really good. It's an excellent, excellent issue of the magazine. All the podcasts are over there as well. And you'll see all the other things that we do that are linked there. All right, so uh, ace-ed.org and electronic-therapy.com. And you're all set for the day. Am I right? Diana mm-hmm. Parafinic, welcome back to the show, my good friend. The founder, Madam Founder. Hi. How are you? <laughs> Hi, Larry. It's wonderful to be here. So nice. Thank you for having us back. Believe me, you are always welcome here. All right. I, we, I, I'll say it again. What you guys do is extreme. It always has been important, but it's more important now than ever. And today you do a lot of things. We're going to talk about that. But we're going to talk about speech and language pathology today. So it's, it's really good stuff. Megan, how are you? Megan McGee. Good morning, Larry. I'm great. How are you? I am just fine. It's nice to have you here today. Okay, where are you today, Megan? So I'm located in Pennsylvania. Where? Where? Um, near Harrisburg, just about 10 minutes south of Harrisburg. Nice, nice. I grew up in Philadelphia. Okay, not too far. Not too far away, so the Pennsylvania link. And where are you today, Diana? I am in Flagstaff, Arizona. Yeah, yeah, I figured. You could be somewhere else, but I know you're from a... Arizona, how's the weather? A beautiful flagstaff up high near the Grand Canyon. Up high. I still have snow outside my window. We had about 15 and a half feet of snow this winter. 
um, yep. which is crazy, <laughs> and uh, it's finally starting to melt. <laughs> wow. Well, we have just a little snow patch. on our, I live in Maine. We have a little snow patch on our lawn. It's still there. Okay, but that's about it. The 99% of the snow is gone. How much snow do you still have up there? How much? Yeah, yeah like? about the same thing, about a little patch. I'd say yeah. across the street, I have about two or three inches left okay, there under our shady pine forest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Was that a, considered a rough winter for you guys? Ooh, it was a rough winter. Yeah. <laughs> it was it's a over. rough winter, but it's we're over. Co- yeah, it's over. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping. Well, I don't know. Sometimes we get a late snow, so yeah. But I'm, no, I'm ready. No more. I'm ready. We're not, no more snow. Don't even worry. But no more snow. No more snow. I guarantee it. You have my word on that. No more snow. All right. That's simple. Perfect, and by Mary. the way, otherwise I'm say- giving you a call. <laughs> Please do. And by the way, I, this is my, one of my favorite places in the universe is Sedona, Arizona, and the ride between Flagstaff and Sedona is just absolutely beautiful. Okay, I just wanted mm-hmm. to say that because it's, it's one of my it favorite places. Yeah, it's, it's really you're lucky to to live where you do. All right, speech and language pathology plays a critical role in ensuring et- equity. Okay. For education, I want you to just so everybody understands it, and I'm going to give this to you, Diana. But if you want to pass it over to Megan, you're welcome to. Okay, talk about the role of equity and the role of speech, the role of speech and language pathology for equity in education. And it's a really great story there. Go ahead, Diana, and again, pass it to Megan if you wish to. Oh, now thank you. Um, That's a great way to lead in, right? Because um, our, who we are is so connected to how we communicate, right? Um, the, the foundation of speech-language therapy in the field of speech-language pathology lends itself to support and provide service for those who struggle with communication in all different areas, um, whether it's receptive or expressive or within speech and articulation or apraxia. The list goes on in terms of the different disorders that exist within speech-language pathology. But to not have access to consistent therapy that provides continuity for support for remediation of, of what you're working on and how you need to get to the next place is such a disservice and it there's no justice behind it, right? Because we've now taken that ability for that for that student or that um, adult, depending on on where they fall within K-12 education, um, to be able to get to that next place of self-expression or verbal communication or nonverbal communication. There are all different ways to communicate. And access, consistent access with continuity of service, right, Mm -hmm. bridges that gap within the equity that we um, have to us that at any given moment of time, right? And so um, there are so many people, so many students out there that that just isn't a possibility, similar to what wow. you mentioned when we began, wow. right? Where we have a lack of service providers in specific areas and lack of the ability to be able to log on and get to what it is that you need because yeah. the the district hasn't provided that opportunity for that experience for that student. So when we talk about 
getting students the services they need on a consistent basis and serving those underserved students. We're talking about exactly that, Larry, about equity to the table for these students to be able to communicate so that they can have a better quality of life. Because at the end of the day, why we do what we do is to be able to support that process for those students to have that better quality of life, right? Um, and to be part of that is is really a privilege um, for anybody that's able to provide that service. So well said, Diana. I, I really, they, and, and, you, and you're absolutely right. And you know, I'm on your website, uh, looking at it right now, electronic-therapy.com. We'll talk. I want you to talk about the company in a few minutes. Well, actually, I'll do that right now. Okay, you have all your services listed here. I'm just going to read them off. Okay, and I hope school districts do get in touch with you because uh, there is no need. If you, you if you if you're in the uh, Western South Dakota, okay, which is in a heavily populated area, if you're in Northern Maine, which is in a heavily populated area, you're going to have trouble finding these professionals. Not anymore. You have to tap in to to companies like eTherapy. Okay, to 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 make this work. Okay, it, it, it it's something that we have to do. All right, and e-therapy, and this is key. Oh, you, this is what you guys have listed here: speech therapy, occupational therapy, counseling, and social work. These are all the things you can provide to a school district. Physical therapy, assessments and diagnostics, and then uh, Megan's thing: uh, mental health solutions and e-wellness. And of all those things, the interesting thing that I found, considering what we're talking about today, you listed speech therapy first, okay? They're not alphabetical order, okay? Assessments would be first, okay? Is there any reason why said you, you what, where do, where, in all of these things, where does speech therapy fit for you guys? Diana? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, the majority of the disorders that we see that we serve uh, primarily start with, speech communication disorder. Wow. Right? Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. A, yeah. And it's a large percentage of the of the population that e-therapy provides services to. And so and if you think about it, it it is the foundation for everything else that develops. And so when you struggle with that, all of the other mm. um, challenges arise, right? And so from very little and we break down in our field, we have early intervention, um, birth to three, and then we move on through, you know, kindergarten and, and 12th grade and, and a little bit beyond for transitional services. So from those little babies from birth to three wow. and then transitioning into early intervention, which is three to five, and then, and then moving on to our, our kindergarten through 12th grade. And we really, we want to catch it as soon as we can because the earliest intervention that we can provide for yeah. speech therapy, the more success that those students will have throughout their career in education and be able to move on and, and have a, a more holistic uh, quality of life, right, for themselves as they get older. You know, and you bring up a good point, and Megan's here, your director of mental health operations. If we don't get the things right, like, like speech therapy, sp poor speech, Okay, a lisp or whatever, whatever, I'm going to ask about that in a few minutes, can make a kid feel bad. And if a kid starts to feel bad or different, all right, it changes the way their attitude is towards school. It's, and, and it also changes the way their attitude is towards learning. They feel different. 
All right, that's not good. They shouldn't, but they, we have ways to cure that, okay? And I want to ask Megan, Megan, well, what's the impact of all this? You're a director of mental health operations there, and that's a real problem in schools today, and I know e-therapy handles this well, okay? But talk about the impact of the two together. If we don't fix one, we have a real challenge with the other one. Megan, Megan McGee, everybody. Yeah, absolutely, and I I have a unique background. As you mentioned, Larry, I am the Director of Mental Health Operations, but by trade, I'm actually an SLP as well. So I oh, really I didn't know both. that. I didn't, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So, 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 um, then, then, then you'll really be able to answer this question beautifully. <laughs> go ahead. Go for it. That's great. That's exactly what I'm yeah. looking for. Perfect. Perfect. Well, um, you know, as Diana mentioned, it really, you know, if the students don't have the communication skills, one of the biggest um you know, difficulties for them as they progress. You know, early childhood, it can be incredibly frustrating for them and not having a way to verbalize and, you know, kind of those tantrums that you'll sometimes see. So getting um, communication skills in place so that they can really build those foundational skills for communication so that they don't have those struggles. And then, you know, as she mentioned, that continuum of services, when you move into the elementary age, again, if they don't have those foundational skills, I know, Larry, you mentioned kind of the list so kids can yeah. be done. You know, peers can sometimes be cruel, <laughs> and it really can lead to those mental health issues that we see. And that, you know, obviously here at eTherapy, we can help address with some of the counseling services that we offer. But communication, you know, not sound cliche, but communication is key. Being able to give these kids the the tools to communicate effectively, so they don't struggle and don't get frustrated, and don't have these these breakdowns with their ability to inability to communicate effectively um, and to be picked on by their peers and just to have those communication yeah. skills to be successful. Yeah, and not only that, okay, if they don't have the communication skills, they may have trouble communicating to their teacher what they have actually learned, okay? And, you know, I'm thinking when I was a teacher, there were kids, I, I don't know if this even fits in, but they never, they never talked in class. They didn't never answer the question. They were always shy about that. And it, it could have been that, okay, that they just didn't have the communication skills to let me know as their teacher and their other teachers as well that they understood what I was saying, all right? And, and, and it, it, that, it, you know, it leads to all kinds of preconceived notions and all that sort of thing. It, it, it is very important. Since I've got a, an SLP here, i.e. the amazing Megan, all right, Megan, I want to go, oh, you, you folks can treat a variety of speech and language areas, and I'm not an expert in this, so I just want to a- ask you what these things are. I'm going to read off your website. Articulation, receptive and expressive language, which I thought was interesting. I don't know what this is, childhood apraxia of speech. Then this one, pragmatic and social language skills, which I thought was really interesting. Fluency and bilingual, obviously, for those kids. Okay, just talk about each of those. What are, what are they all? What's our, yeah, real quick, what's articulation? What, can you articulate something? What, is it, what do we mean by that? Sure. Di, did you want me to go ahead and dive Yeah, part? Megan, take it away. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> sure. She's wonderful. You, Anybody who gets Megan McGee for speech therapy is lucky. <laughs> I have a feeling. Yeah, do, go for it, Megan. Well, sure, sure. So articulation is really that those sounds. So, putting the sounds together, how you produce those sounds, getting the articulator, so your tongue, teeth, lips, all those things in the right place, and then how you produce those sounds 
um, from the sound level all the way to conversational speech, putting those sounds together. Is that the same thing as pragmatic and social language skills, which is also listed nope. here? Yep, so that's a little different. Well, very different, actually. And so, you know, obviously kids who have deficits with articulation can sometimes see that they have social deficits because they will sometimes be, as you mentioned, Larry, you know, in your, your history, be hesitant to talk because they are aware of their speech sound disorder. But pragmatics and social skills, it really is that. Their social interactions with their peers, with their teachers, with their families, um, how they interact socially. Oh. Um, all different things that can even lead into things like intonation of their speech, kids that have very flat speech versus, you know, rising intonation when they ask questions, wow. how they interact with peers, um, conversational skills. Social skills is really a huge, huge area of communication. That is, that is really interesting, okay? I, 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 didn't, I didn't put those things together. Okay, what is apraxia? Help me on that. I, I don't know if a lot of teachers know what it is. I mean, a lot of them do, but I don't. What is it? Apraxia. I'm going to pass this one to Di, because Di, if I remember, this was one of your areas of interest, and apraxia is one. We as SLPs <laughs> kind of have our niches, and apraxia never was mine. So I will give this one to Di. Diana, are you, are, you, are you an SLP, speech-language pathologist? Yes, 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 yes. That I, is I the foundation of where no I come from is, for my no practice. No wonder this is number one on the hit parade of e-therapy. Now I'm getting it. Okay, here. Okay, then reach number no. one. Diana, what's apraxia? What is that? Yeah, it's it's motor planning for the most part, right? Like, so it's with our motor strip um, for all intents and purposes. So, you know, our motor strip and our brain and how it communicates to our articulators and to uh, our our oral fixators of, of how we produce sounds. And it, it's sort of a disconnect in, in motor planning. And so the ability to be able to produce those sounds, like Megan was talking to you about, we have place and manner in our mouth and how we actually make sounds. And, and that is how we articulate those sounds and phonemes and be able to produce speech, right? And so there is major disruption in that motor planning where it's almost next to impossible to be able to elevate your tongue or be able to put your tongue in the right place to be able to produce the sound. And so there's oral stimulation that you have to do and different ways that you can approach it. And it's, it's one of those that kind of hides itself in the beginning to understand and how to be able to approach it in terms of remediation for that and the supports and tools. And so it's really nice to have a team of people to be able to help with that. Wow. I, I, I never knew any of this. And, and then I'm going to keep going here. Receptive mm -hmm. and expressive language. Okay. How does that it, work? What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's um, receptive and expressive language is really the foundation of our communication systems, right? Our receptive language is how we perceive and how we receive language and how it computes, goes into our brain, how we process wow. it in order to allow us to be able to provide a response, right, which is our expressive language communication system. And so when there are deficits in either receptive or expressive communication, you're going to have different responses and how you're able to move through your life, right? So if you have a receptive Absolutely. language disorder, it's going to be a processing experience. So maybe you heard the way you heard a direction provided to you, or maybe you how you heard somebody provide you information, it gets a little jumbled, right? Um, keeping this simple. <laughs> and so yeah. with that, then your response or your next action to, 
to take provided on the receptive information that you've received may be very off, right? Or your response, your expression, your expressive response is not going to coincide with the information that was provided to you. And so they they really work in tandem together. Sometimes people just have a receptive language disorder, and that is just processing language and how to be able to, to sit with that and be able to understand what it is that they've been told and then be able to execute, you know, based on the information that they have. And so um, that that's a really big challenge. Imagine if you went through your life with a processing disorder or, you know, a receptive language disorder where all the constant information you've been provided, it's just not, it's not coming in sequence for you or you're not able to process it how wow. you should have received it. Um, and it's, it's, it's quite something to be able to work with students and have them have those aha moments and realize yeah. that they don't right have now. to struggle as hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, am, so, I, I didn't realize that kind of thing. I have to tell you, it was, it was speech-language pathology. Of course, when I say it now, it makes perfect sense, but I never put that together before. Okay, that you guys right. can really help with that. And which brings me to the next question. I'll ask Diana, but you can pass it to Megan if you want. Okay, all of these things, I'm thinking of them in terms of English. All right, but we have a, a zillion kids, okay, in American public schools that are bilingual or have a different first language than English. Okay, and when you're dealing with how does a let me ask how does a speech language pathologist because you're not an ESL teacher okay you're a speech language pathologist so how do you help and we have to help these students okay who are from different countries and have a different first language I love that question okay who's going to answer oh. that Diana or, or Megan yeah Diana let's no start I'm, I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna take it because this is close to my heart um you know it, this is was a big part of my practice forever ago um, in educating teachers and staff about this, and this really ties into equity, right? Um, it it and does indeed. So, yeah, we have our English language learners, right? And so you have your L1 and your L2, which is your first language and then your second language that you bring on. And so really as a speech-language pathologist, you need to understand fundamentally, is this a language disorder actually a language disorder or is this a language barrier and um, so that you can be able to serve that student the best as possible and also educating the staff and teachers on the differences yeah. of both of those right um, and being able to provide the foundation of language learning in our schools is huge because we are a melting pot here we do have multiple yeah. cultures and multiple languages here and um, we want to be able to provide you know that that uh, access to education the best that we can because when we do that everybody comes from the same place to be able to have a future that they're entitled to have and so um, that gets disrupted for sure uh, because there are students that actually do have language disorders but we find them later because they're English language learners um, there are students that we wind up serving that don't have a disorder because they're English language learners and so as a speech language pathologist I really I, I really think it's important to have that multicultural awareness and that language awareness Absolutely. Um, 
for yes, that different students bring to the table, and um, and language is just fascinating and fun, right? At the same time, it because is. yeah, is. we learn so much, and we're able to give back so much and provide that um, that next level of of those students' uh, success in their in the journey that they have for themselves. So um, it's just, it's a gift, right? It's a gift. Imagine if we were in this conversation today and you had a receptive language disorder and everything that I was saying, you know, and, and you had an expressive language disorder and you, you couldn't quite, you could see the words in front of you, but you can't quite grab them and you don't know how to put them together to re- be able to respond, right? Then that limits you. Then you recoil. Then you 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 hang back and you don't, you're not the first one out there to take advantage of something that deep down inside you know you can do, right? So we're talking about empowerment. Wow. And so, you know, it all comes back to communication, Larry. And, and, you know, you you bring up, and I'm thinking of someone who who may be paralyzed as a quadriplegic, okay? Brain-wise, you know you can do it, okay? But the great frustration is that neurologically you can't. Okay, and that's what you just described. Okay, and it sounds to me like good speech language pathology, unlike a quadriplegic in many cases. Okay, you guys can really can really make the make a difference here and and, and allow these kids who know they can do it to actually do it. Am I am I reading into this correctly? Yeah, we do the best that we can to provide those tools. It's fascinating to me. It, it it really is. And, you know, I'm going to ask this. When, when school districts call you, okay, where, when, to e-therapy, you're getting in touch, electronictherapy.com, electronic-therapy.com is the website. Okay. Um, what, what are they looking for? Do they understand the importance of speech language pathology? Do school districts yeah. get it? Or are they calling you uh, these days for mental health therapy and all that sort of thing? Where, where's the sweet spot these days? Okay, and, and yeah. with all this. And again, Diane, I'm asking you, you're welcome to bring Megan in. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, so, yes, I mean, I, I think everybody that works in education and special education um, is, is very aware that these students who are on IEPs or 504 plans, it's imperative and it's federally mandated that if they qualified for speech-language therapy services, they have to be provided um, or we kind of get in some hot water there. And so there is a feeling of urgency because we do have this struggle with providers. And what the beautiful part of teletherapy is, is that it, it really takes those limits off of access because yeah, we oh, have therapists. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Right, and so we have therapists. I'm shaking my head up maybe. and down here. You can't see me. <laughs> okay, I mean the teletherapy, the online therapy is, it's so it's so important these days. But you go ahead. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, so, no, you're yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah. So we, you know, we have a provider, let's say that lives in, you know, Minnesota, but can work in the East coast and can work on the West coast because they have times allotted for that and they can work in the Midwest. And so we've now expanded our reach significantly, which is much more of a challenge 
on-site when you have a you might be located in rural New Mexico and you just don't have the providers at hand. Um, having a hybrid experience is also really a wonderful thing. So sometimes maybe you do have a provider, but they're really only available to you once right. a quarter. And so then you can fill that gap in service with teletherapy. So you, there's lots of different ways to work to be able to provide services there. And when we started um, over 14 years ago in this space, you know, where I live, like you mentioned, yeah. it's super beautiful and it is by the Grand Canyon, but we are remote. Um, we are in a really rural environment. And mm-hmm. this began with services on the Navajo and Hopi reservations, um, doing that hybrid model because it just, we couldn't get out there all the time. And when you did get out there, you would see, you know, between eight and 10 kids in a group and really the significance of the service you were providing was limited because you had to allocate time and time would be less for each of those students because the groups were so big. And so we were trying to solve all those years ago, how can we actually supplement and fill the gap for these services for these school districts that are located in very remote areas? And then it came into fruition that it's not just our remote schools and our rural communities. It's our suburban and our urban schools as well, because you you actually could be a therapist that lives in, you know, the suburban area um, or outside the city of the Chicago Chicago metropolitan area, right? But maybe you work in the Chicago public schools, but you live 45 minutes outside of the city or vice versa. Um, And you, your commute or how you need to get there. And there's a struggle with that, you know, are you in California and you're, your traffic, you're not going very far, but you're stuck in traffic for an hour and a half in the morning before you get there. So people have really, therapists themselves have kind of looked to teletherapy for themselves yeah. as a, yeah. a better quality of life to, uh, to be able to provide those services for those students. So well, not only that, you can help a lot more kids. You're not driving between places. You can help a lot more people. Yeah. Okay, it's, it's that yeah. simple. Okay, you know, yeah. it, it just, it makes so much sense. Okay, and You've been doing it for a long time, but we learned that it makes sense in everything we had to do during the pandemic when we were forced to do it, okay? And all of a sudden, everybody said, yeah, we can do this, and we could do it, okay? And which begs the question, are there enough speech-language pathologists, and how do you folks find the right people? Again, I'll ask Diana, but pass it to Megan if you wish. Yeah, they... Look, Larry, there's never enough of anybody. Yeah, so that's for we sure. need more <laughs> we need more doctors, we need more speech staffs, we need more nurses, we need you know We need more um, Dianas. Just... We need more Dianas <laughs> and we need more Megan's. And Larry. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I mean it's I that's that's a whole nother that's a whole nother conversation, Larry. Yeah. So uh-huh. yeah. How do you know let me ask it a different way. Okay. Are, are we? Are, do you guys have enough speech language pathologists? Okay, to cover this, and how do how do we how do we get people involved in this? Where are we in that? In that, what's the pipeline? Oh, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious because you, I know you vet your people very carefully. I know that. Yeah, okay, no, so, that's well, wonderful. Yeah, so just talk about that. You know, in terms yeah. of what are you looking for? Okay, when that's when you hire funny. someone to do this. Yeah, I love all of that. No, thank you. Um, 
Absolutely true. So we have over 500 therapists and growing. We um, we go through a process where we bring on speech paths um, and all our other That's service providers path. as well. Now I know the lingo, speech paths. I like that. Go ahead. Okay. There you go. Now you're one of the yeah. cool kids, Larry. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm, in the, I'm in with the youth and, crowd. Go ahead, speech paths. Yeah. <laughs> And um, and we we vet them and we work with them. Um, Megan actually has a really wonderful experience with this as well in bringing in uh, speech therapists. She's part of training processes and and communicating to future speech therapists who want to come and join our organization. Um, we all of our therapists have multiple licenses as well to be able to work in different areas. We really are looking for those full-time placements for schools. So I do want to kind of push here for those districts that are listening that teletherapy doesn't just have to be your fill the gap of service, um, although that is also an amazing way to utilize teletherapy, but that we also are full-time service providers. So for all of those positions that those districts are not able to fill for full-time, but they know that they have coming up, they absolutely can reach out to us um, and we can provide full-time therapists there for their districts. And and we really fill that continuity gap too. So if we have a therapist placed there, we have wonderful retention for our therapists as well. Oh, so that therapist great. Yes. Thank you. So our therapist will up. return to that district year after year after year and um and really becomes part of the team. So we're not just this staffing entity that you don't know who you work with or who you partner with. We really make it uh, a focus for That's therapy to integrate and work with that team on site um, and added that virtual component where we become culturally part of the school district's team. I, I think that's a very important point that the educators at the school district have to have to know that they have access to these pathologists who may not be, live there. Okay, I mean Megan might be working with somebody in the in the North Carolina, but she's in Harrisburg, but they have access to her. And then when they need to talk, it, it's available. I mean, is, when you become part of the team, it's really, really important. Meg, you've done this for so long. Megan, have, give me a, one of your fun anecdotes about uh, what, what's like a fun success story or whatever, however you want to do it. Sure, sure. So, I mean, as you mentioned, I'm just kind of piggybacking on everything Diana just shared. Um, yeah, I've been doing yeah. this quite as long as Diana. I, I think this school year coming up would be my 14th year in teletherapy, so almost as wow. long. Um, but so, over yeah, that span, I, would, I would say that's a fairly good retention rate. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but I mean, just as you said, Larry, I've, I've had 10 state licenses, so it's really kind of let me spread my wings. And I've worked East Coast, I've worked South, I've worked West Coast. Um, the flexibility that it offers is tremendous. Um, but probably one of my favorite success stories. I, I wish you could see the smile on my face because these are. These are the pieces I think we, we can all hear work that. so hard for. We can hear that smile, yeah. Megan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, you know, the students are near and dear to my heart. But, um, I mean, really stepping <laughs> outside of my zone. So this kiddo was in Ohio, not my home state of PA. Thanks to teletherapy, I was able to connect. He was a kiddo that no other SLP would work with. He um, a little controversial. There was some facilitated communication involved. He was on a communication system called Prolo Quota Go. It's a that you can put on an iPad. Um, Diana talked a little bit about apraxia earlier. He had um, pretty severe motor apraxia, and so the facilitated communication was he used his mother's finger um, 
to kind of locate and find what he needed on his iPad. He had key guards and all these fancy things that you use on augmentative and alternative communication devices. But um, the piece that really warms my heart and the real success for the student was, you know, people would ask him yes, no questions or single word responses because they really thought that was all he was capable of. And just um, being able to connect, being willing to give him a chance, you know, when most of that stuff, he's like, oh, I'm not really comfortable working with the device or with facilitated communication. You know, he was at home. He didn't have a lot of social opportunities. But I wow. worked with him, and we quickly learned that this child had paragraphs to say. You just had to give him the opportunity. And he and eventually told his mom he wanted to become part of a social skills group. And she, you know, wow. was a true advocate for him. He went to some social skills groups, started to communicate with friends. His biggest success was trick-or-treat. Huge for augmentative <laughs> communication users. Oftentimes, Absolutely. You know, they, they want to put that device away because it makes them, you know, a little different. But, again, it's their voice. That's their communication. He took a trick-or-treating, and he successfully trick-or-treated and came home with lots of candy. So um, <laughs> that student was several, several years back in my <laughs> career. But I will never forget E. He was a near and dear piece of my heart. Um, wow. But just kind of bridging all those pieces of teletherapy, you know, the ability to work across state lines, the ability to kind of reach students who not necessarily would have been reached, and really to see him spread yeah. his wings and be fly and become an effective communicator. And, and Megan, let me ask you this. And I, I don't when I when I learned how to be a teacher a thousand years ago. Okay, so long ago that I had to take a semester off to fight in the war of the roses. That's how long it was. Okay, <laughs> years ago. Okay, but, but I was with the Lancasters. No, I'm only kidding. Okay, but, but to joke. Okay, but my my point is none of this ever came up in college. None of this. Okay. So my question, I was a secondary teacher. I was a secondary school teacher, okay? But none of it came up. I taught history. I, so my question is, how well-trained are school districts to understand that these kids can be helped? And I'm talking about the teachers. You put, is it, are we doing well enough in training teachers to look for these things so that a school district knows to call, a, 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 if I may, a speech path in, Okay. Uh, how are we doing on that? Do the schools get it? Megan. Yeah, I think. I, go ahead, yeah, Megan. go, Megan. No, 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 go, go Megan. Go, Megan, go. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think, I think that is a, an important part of an SLP's job to ensure the equity for the students is part of their role is to educate the teachers in their building. You know, they may have here, here. veteran teachers. Exactly, who who don't know. So getting the word out, whether it's flyers and mailboxes, whether it's a 10-minute CD as part of a faculty meeting and saying, here's what to look for in your population. Because while many districts do something like a kindergarten screening, picture all those kids that come in in third grade and fifth grade who maybe fell through the cracks. So really part of an SLP job, obviously the, the main part is working with the students and helping with the students, but also educating the, the teachers and the staff in the building to ensure that they are identifying students. And as SLPs, we're never, um, never upset if we have a student refer to us and we screen them. I mean, one of the best things is to say, no, this kiddo doesn't need services. They are right where they should be. It's never an issue, um, you know, kind of rather have extra kids come our way for screening to make sure no students are falling through the cracks. And I, and I have a feeling elementary schools are better trained elementary school teachers are better trained in this than secondary school teachers. And we have to make sure that the secondary middle school and above also understand this. Okay. Because they just have, we just have to know. 
okay, about these kids and how we can help them. I just think it's so important. Last question. Okay, I'll throw this one to Diana. Diana, percentage-wise, how how many kids percentage-wise in American schools need speech-language pathology? Do you know? Or, or anecdotally, you know, do you know? You know, I I do. I don't have the data in front of me. It's significant. Yes, you know. Um, anecdotally, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and it, you're right. In uh, in kindergarten and um, the three to five range, and in kindergarten for second grade is where we see the majority, right, of the students who present with articulation disorders, social pragmatic language challenges, with um, with receptive expressive language disorders, really are are sort of our first go-to. Um, and then we have our more significant, uh, severe and profound student population, which is what Megan was referring to um, with her student that was on an augmentative communication device and is yeah, nonverbal. Wow. Uh, wow. So that was a great speak. story, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's, and we, it's those moments where yeah. that is life changing, right, for that student. And so, like, the leaps and bounds of forward motion that now that they have for their own self-esteem to be able to take initiation for communication is going to be forever different and, and better for that, for that person, right? And so it's where we really come into the fold in the, those early years is being able to, like you said, Larry, Part of our job is education, right, is educating the parents, educating the staff, educating the teachers so that we create a team around these students so that they have reinforcements and carryover for everything that they learn within a speech therapy session, um, which is huge. It's huge. It, it, it's all huge. We've got to go in just a minute. I just got, You too. You really actually, I love this show because I learned so much. Okay, I didn't know a lot of this, and it, to me, it's just, it, it's fascinating, and it's so darn important, and I'm going to say it, I'll just want to end it with this, speech-language pathology, it needs to start at preschool, okay, if a child needs it, but we get a lot of kids these days who are from other countries, okay, and come in and need speech-language pathology in secondary school, and, and all educators need to be very aware of this, and, and school districts need to be aware of it, too. Okay, this is only a phone call away. Okay, electronic-therapy.com. Diana, thank you. We got to go. Megan, this was terrific. Okay, thank you both so much. Thank you, Larry. It was a pleasure to be here. It was a pleasure to have you here is all I can tell you. Okay, thank you both. You guys both have a great day. And let that snow melt, that last pile. I wonder if we're going to win or you're going to win to see the last pile of snow. (laughs) Go away. Okay. Thank you both. Bye-bye. Thank you, Larry. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye. Okay. Electronic-therapy.com. Okay. Please check it out. Okay. And they have a lot of services. We focus today on SLP. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. Everything we do is free for you at ace-ed.org. Thanks for listening.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.